today we're talking to a business that is actually an entrepreneurial hub and yet a powerful e-commerce ecosystem for modern India. I'm talking about Misho. Misho has revolutionized the way you look at e-commerce while sitting at home and yet gives power to the modern Indian to sell and buy online. And taking us through the experience of building Misho is Kirti, who's heading product for a very, very challenging business. Kirti's experience with ShopEx and Amazon in the past has led him to now head a very creative team at Misho. And through this conversation, we unravel some of the most interesting ways you can talk and build customer experiences for tier two and tier three India. Well, you're in for an absolute banger in this conversation because we're talking to Kirti, who's the chief product officer at Misho on Design Grid. Kirti, thank you so much for being a part of Design Grid. Uh, I'm very, very excited to be hosting you. I think uh, with the kind of experience you've had across such amazing organizations, uh, I'm going to try and dig in a lot more and try and extract so much out of you. So thanks again for being a part of Design Grid. Thanks, Saksham, for having me and pleasure to be here. Amazing. So, uh, Kitty, the experience goes and possibly starts from, say, consulting all the way up until, you know, the e-commerce stints that you've had. Uh, I'm going to go back in time a little bit and try and uh, understand what made you uh, pursue a career in product firstly. Sure. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's a while back and... Uh, to me, interestingly, uh, product management was almost an accidental move. So this was not planned at all. Uh, I was uh, in McKinsey at the time and I had uh, spent like five and a half years in McKinsey. So did a lot of projects across India, Southeast Asia, different sectors. And uh, and in consulting typically, especially in McKinsey type settings, is your initial four or five years are filled with learning, right? So you learn a lot of skills like problem solving, working with clients, working with team members. So all of that is great. But after about five, six years is when you start hitting a plateau, depending on what you want to learn. So yeah. after that, it becomes more about relationship management. It's more about sort of generating new work for the firm and those kind of things. And I realized that that was not something that seemed very exciting to me. I, I liked more of the problem solving and sort of working with teams and all of that. And then I thought, okay, uh, I've spent enough time and, and let me figure out what else is there in the world, right? And this was about in 2014, 2015, around that time. And at, at that time, obviously, the Indian startup ecosystem was booming. Right? Yeah. You saw a lot of the companies right. getting funded and startups were becoming mainstream. And uh, in, in general, the tech scene was sort of uh, picking up in a big way. And what I thought at that time was that if I'm going uh, to some place from McKinsey, it has to be one of these new age companies, right? Irrespective of what the role is, it has to be a new age company, tech driven company, uh, because that's where sort of all the action was and, and the potential for that seemed exciting uh, to me. And I sort of uh, spoke to lots of different companies, big companies, startups and so on. And then uh, ended up at Amazon India. And when I was having all those conversations, I didn't know what product management was. <laughs> Uh, and, and uh, whenever uh, I used to talk to recruiters, et cetera, I used to ask them to explain, like, what do you mean by product manager, right? So they used to tell me, you know, they, they do this, they do that. Then I spoke to a bunch of my uh, ex-McKinsey colleagues and friends. And then I understood that 
product management seemed like it's heavily indexed on problem solving uh, and maybe my consulting skills will be put to better use there than anything yeah. else and then sort of uh, uh, went into that right at amazon and yeah it was fully accidental so never planned a career in product management never knew that that's what i'll end up liking more but but that's sort of how i got into it i think back in back in 2014 15 uh, the categorization uh, or the structuredness of the design industry wasn't as much as it is today it wasn't as crisp it wasn't as sharpened uh, so and it was it was in a way coming up because india at all points of time has been very influenced by the west and with uh, with players like say flipkart and amazon uh, going head on at that point of time i'm sure it would have been a very competitive ecosystem to be in so what was what was going on in your mind when you when you went into uh, when you went from a very structured mckinsey sort of a large setup into something slightly more agile and uh, you know progressively chaotic uh, with with startups was it was it was it very challenging was it very different yeah i think that's a good question and it was definitely different uh, some aspects of it were challenging uh, some were not so much for me at least at the time i made the transition i think what was different and what was challenging was the fact that everything seemed very ambiguous right which means that <clears throat> there was never a very clear path ahead on what you want to do right if you have to solve a problem how do you solve that problem etc wasn't very clear right uh, whereas in mckinsey if i contrast that mckinsey is a very structured organization and yeah. we're working with clients where they have a very specific problem and we have a very specific approach to solve the problem so things were uh, extremely structured uh, and and clear right whereas when i went into amazon and later then in flipkart and other places as well it, it was much more ambiguous right so for example uh, Uh, at that time in amazon this was again uh, early 2015 or mid 2015 so amazon entered india only in 2013 right so even though it was a big global uh, sort of e-commerce player so they were actually uh, trying to get market leadership build the brand in india none of that sort of existed like we know today right and and flipkart actually was a, a early mover compared to amazon in india right so flipkart actually had a bigger brand than amazon when amazon came in so a lot of the conversations discussions in amazon at that time was hey how do we match up to flipkart right how do we get as much selection on our platforms the number of items that we sell how do we have better prices than what flipkart has right so a lot of the conversations were around this and none of the answers were clear like how do you know that every item that's there on our e-commerce platform is as well priced as what it is on some other competitor right and and then we had to end up building a lot of technology to for example figure out what all of these are and and build capabilities which all were very new for amazon so they never had some of these things globally right so so in a nutshell i think a lot of this ambiguity was i think very different and challenging uh, to deal with especially for me i think that's that's something that uh, that was quite uh, quite uh, exciting uh, what did not seem as challenging to me Uh, was the fact that the f- some of the fundamental skills i picked up like problem solving like working with teams like having sort of a top down uh, strategy uh, being able to communicate effectively and influencing people i think all of those skills were uh, sort of the same what 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 uh, i had to use in uh, in uh, amazon type setting but just the ambiguity of the problem the market how will we solve fact that you're competing with somebody who's bigger 
I think those those sort of were the things which I had to really sort of get adjusted to. So Amazon uh, has has a you know while being a a global player, it also has an Indian cultural context very largely influenced by by the diversity patterns in the country. Uh, how different was it to be part of the design team of Amazon India versus what could have been uh, part of the global platform? And were there cultural or subcultural contexts that you all had to keep going back to while working on the product? Yeah, so uh, just to clarify, I was part of the product uh, team, not so much the design team there. Uh, but yeah, I think there were uh, many nuances. So one thing that uh, I realized much more after I got into Amazon uh, is that Indra, India is actually very, very heterogeneous, right? So it, it is a misnomer to think India is one country, even though federally it is one country, but it's literally a combination of 20, 25 different countries, right? So there is one part of India, which is like US, there are many parts of India, which are like Europe. And then there's a rest of India, which is like Southeast Asia, etc. Right? So it's a very, very uh, heterogeneous country. So lots of languages, people across different income segments, you have this notion of India, one, India, two, India, three, right? So top 100 million, the next 500 million and the remaining 600, 700 million. All of these people are very different. Uh, they speak uh, sort of uh, geographically, they're distributed, speak different languages and also have uh, different consumption behavior. So one of the big things that sort of I internalized much more, even though I've been living in India since, uh, uh, since the time, was that this is very different. And when you're building a mass market e-commerce platform, right, which has to cater to everybody in India, this is not only for the rich people in India or the or people in the middle or any, anybody like that. So so that in, that realization was much stronger when, when we went in uh, there. And that's when also everything that we were building uh, in uh, from a product standpoint had to cater to all of these different needs, right? So if you build a user experience in an app, then everybody should be able to use it, right? If you are offering selections of items on the app that you're yeah. selling, then it should have an iPhone as well. And it should also have the, the lowest cost smartphone or feature phone as well, right? Yeah. So, so just that heterogeneity, taking care of that, just introduces multifold complexity in the way you think yeah. about product in, in the way you structure your business model. So I think that insight was probably the one that I had to internalize the most uh, once uh, I got into this. Uh, and was, was challenging amongst teams or trying to arrive at solutions, uh, typically part of, you know, uh, project management. Was it, was it something that was, that was very difficult at that time? So uh, again, this is very context dependent uh, on the company uh, in, in uh, specific to Amazon. Yeah. It was complex because also the fact that it's a US company, which yeah. entered India. Correct. And, and what we wanted to do was to ensure we leverage the capabilities that have already been built in the US so that you right. get a head start and you don't right. uh, end up being like a startup fully. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to localize to the context of India, right? So, so, so balancing both of these things, so using what's available globally and sort of building stuff only for India, how do you do that? Like, where do you draw the line? So that is sort of something that was complex. And, and often the discussions that we used to have uh, with uh, the Amazon folks in Seattle was always uh, very interesting because they never used to understand the heterogeneity and the complexity of India. Right? Yeah. Because US is not like that. 
so so when you tell them that look there are people speaking 25 different languages uh, people uh, whose purchasing power sort of is some 100x different from one to the other uh, so explaining convincing influencing them to say that okay give us the resources to build something specifically for india it's all of those were sort of quite challenging interesting uh, because of the global nature of the company and the fact that we were sort of uh, coming to india so i think that was quite quite challenging i would say and and then you moved on to uh, moved on to an indian counterpart you know uh, for a for a shorter stint with the, with flipkart uh, how different while while it's the same market same audience set how different was it to be part of the flipkart team and and what made you take that uh, take that plunge sure so uh, before uh, actually i joined flipkart i had a stint at a startup shop yeah 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 shopex i was there and and that was my first foray into uh, truly what you would call a startup right uh, early early right. stage etc and and what i sort of uh, realized is uh, that the skills i needed to have to actually uh, sort of lead the product function at a startup when everybody is just looking to me there is nobody else senior to me right wow. in, in that startup yeah. yeah so so i i did that for a while and then i realized that look i need to actually get better before i start leading other people right sure and i need to learn more and and that's when <clears> i uh, realized that if i spent a few years actually in a slightly more structured setting but which is still fast paced i can actually learn some of these things right and also yeah. create impact as i do that so that's what prompted me to uh, join join uh, flipkart at the time and and that journey was super uh, exciting uh, one thing about flipkart while flipkart amazon obviously are in the same market competing and so on uh, one thing about flipkart which is quite unique is its dna is very startup like even though it's a very big company right it's almost yeah. like uh, uh, grown up wearing a child's clothes right <laughs> i think like that's that. by i think that's by design right and it, it it trickles down from the founding teams because they've emulated uh, the west in a lot of ways i and and, and that's what comes out uh, and and they want that startup culture to be very very uh, deeply ingrained i feel yeah absolutely and it's it sort of comes from the founders and uh, uh, the other uh, leaders in the company uh, all of them uh, always wanted to build a big companies uh, at scale but at the same time the dna of of being agile being fast paced uh, taking decisions soon uh, without waiting for 100% of information for every decision right so i think all of those things were embedded and and therefore uh, when i went in there i realized that it's a good balance between scale and this fast paced environment right which can sort of help me learn as well so so yeah so that's sort of what prompted me to uh, move uh, to flipkart so at the what, time what was the what was how how different was product at flipkart than it was at amazon yeah i think that's that's a good question and this is something that i realized after spending like a year year and a half at flipkart is the notion of having a very uh, strong product culture product driven culture uh, was deeply embedded in flipkart and in many ways i would say more than in amazon uh, right and what I, i'll give you a spe- few specific sure. examples so for example in flipkart uh, product management is a separate function right and people internally in the company uh, who are in other functions 
always look at product management as an aspirational career path right so so if you're a category manager you want to become a product manager because you know that tech is booming and and this is a much more lucrative career path and so on and a lot of people would want to become product managers but what flipkart had done was to maintain sort of the high bar of excellence in product management they had a very strong process of internal movement as well so anybody internally moving from a category role to a product role it was almost like hiring a new product manager from outside it was as tough right so they maintained that sanctity very strongly by creating some of the mechanisms like that whereas if i contrast that to amazon i think uh, uh, probably it works better for them that way but there it is very fluid like at, at the same level you can move from category management to product management to uh, other functions as well so so which then meant that the product function in flipkart is a is a much more purest product management type function right so you will find people with that background with that expertise and the density of the talent of product management is much higher uh, in flipkart uh, because of some of the ways they thought about uh, how the product function should be structured and creating some mechanisms like this so so project product management at flipkart and and then it went down further niche to target a very different demographic uh, at misho uh, so before we kind of get into what you're doing right now with misho uh, what in your understanding so 3 years 4 years spent and uh, being part of product teams right uh, global and indian organizations uh, what do you think is is the largest differentiator or where do you think india draws its as inspiration when it comes to product management versus what it is uh, in the western countries say the us or uk sure i think uh, if you see product management uh, zone evolution right so it obviously evolved in in the us uh, starting from silicon valley now it's obviously yeah. there in other other parts of the us as well and lot of the great companies uh, that you associate with uh, great products like google facebook apple etc i think all of them originated there right so and when in india the tech startup boom started happening in like uh, uh, post 2010 with flipkart yeah. growing and other startups coming the talent of product management uh, was something that uh, uh, the demand increased a lot and you saw at the time a lot of people from google come and join indian startups yeah. and so on so a lot of the things that uh, we uh, learn as best practices of product management and how it should be done is in many ways inspired by by what's happened in in the west in the us from the valley but along with that what i've also realized is with some of these companies growing bigger there is also a strong element of home grown understanding of product management which has evolved Right. yes uh, yes uh, and and this comes uh, very strongly from the fact that the market that you are catering to in india like i mentioned earlier is very heterogeneous right the users yeah. are very different so inherently any product manager who's building a product uh, which has to be at scale invariably ends up catering to multiple segments uh, yeah. right so so therefore you need to uh, understand those nuances uh, much more then what uh, google would have had to do for for a product they would have built in the us right because the the market is much more homogeneous so i think that is sort of one one thing that uh, uh, is is much more inspired from what uh, people have done for india but a uh, but a whole bunch of the product management best practices and how should we write product requirements or or how should we uh, sort of run sprints or how should we uh, 
sort of do ab experiments so all yeah. of these uh, fundamental skills are all i would say inspired and learned from from uh, from the valley are we are we still largely as a country are we still largely dependent uh, uh, to gain inspiration on customer experience from outside of india or are we have we been able to uh, personalize the kind of experience that's required for a diverse country as india yeah uh, i would say that uh, it's uh, it's not a sort of uh, overall generic yes or no answer to this yeah i i i've seen this happen in some pockets which is completely sort of bottom up coming from india right so uh, like there are many examples today in the startup ecosystem of this for example if you look at uh, 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 social networking right so we sure. all know facebook etc yeah. but if you you'll see a share chat right yeah which is a vernacular uh, language social network one of its kind there is yeah. nothing like that Absolutely. anywhere in the world as yeah that's a that's a good example of bottom up you're right Yeah. yeah so and they're redefining what social networking means right yeah. purely for the indian user especially people in what we call india 2 india 3 right low yeah. middle income sure. people in tier 3 4 locations so and and a lot of that user experience customization etc is all again very very homegrown just built yeah. for india uh, another example which personally i uh, really like is uh, is swiggy right again uh, while food tech is there in many other countries but their user experience the way they uh, look at moments of delight when you place a order right and you're waiting for that food to get delivered the number of delightful touch points they create right from saying when the guy will arrive at your uh, doorstep uh, to the fact that uh, if some safety hygiene standards have been changed they will clearly articulate that on the app so there are many of these things that they have innovated on which again i haven't seen in global food tech yeah. apps for example yeah you're right so yeah. a lot of this is just coming from bottom up innovation and what all of this is indicating is that the startup ecosystem has matured right right people are becoming better at building building products uh, ground up uh, and and today if you see a lot of the senior talent in product management in most of these startups is not from the valley per se right so so you, you would hardly find any uh, product manager from google who's like a, a, a head of product in in many of these startups right? it's all uh, yeah. homegrown people whereas that that case was very different in 2010 2011 right? yes. so, so i think that's yeah. sort of the evolution and maturing of the ecosystem which i think has happened No, I think you're right. Uh, the kind of examples you mentioned, I think in, there are some of these places, pockets, rather sectors where, where India far supersedes the number of players and uh, both uh, the interface and experience design of what can happen. Same, even even when we talk about logistics and delivery, or when we talk about uh, food tech as a sector, uh, there is there is so much that uh, that we draw inspiration from within the country rather than from outside. Because I think it's so nuanced here. Uh, you've got to keep yeah. your head down and keep looking at what can we pick up culturally to keep adding in the product. So, uh, yeah. uh, Kiti, coming to coming to what you're doing at Misho, just for everyone's understanding, uh, can you help us understand what Misho does and uh, what prompted you to be part of this team? Sure. Yeah, Misho. Uh, as I understood more about it before I even joined uh, the companies, it is complicated a, a little from the outside, though. Yeah, yeah. It's and 
it's a very unique company one of its kind and you wouldn't find any company or any business yeah. model or a product like this anywhere in the world it is really yeah. unique and sure. this is another example of uh, something that is built for india yeah. built completely bottom up right without any trend driven top down insight or looking at the west or looking at china it, it is none of those right yeah. and that's why it's such a unique product and i think it's a culmination of so many ecosystems it, we the, it's not just a marketplace it's not just a seller platform it's not just an entrepreneurial lab it's just so many things mixed together yeah absolutely and when you try to uh, sort of uh, understand from the outside what it is and you try to put it into a bucket you can't put it into any bucket right and the reason why it is is because it's been built completely bottom up and to me there are different ways to look at misho i think the mission of the company is to enable any individual to become a micro entrepreneur right uh, and and which means it it the core belief is that there are lots of enterprising individuals in the country who want to sort of make money uh and use whatever skills they have to 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 uh, make money get an identity etc right so how do we empower them yeah. uh so that's one way to look at the company the other way to look at the company is uh through the e-commerce lens which is today if you see uh india has about i think close to 500 550 million smartphone internet users right of those the digital product which is used the most is whatsapp which has i think 450 million odd monthly users right so there are 450 million people who are using some form of the uh, internet yeah. regularly on a digital product if you contrast that with the number of people who do online commerce by themselves that number is close to 80 to 100 million right which is what is dominated by amazon flipkart yeah so there is a big gap of about 400 million in the middle who are using digital products but they are not doing digital commerce right so so what misho is doing is to enable a lot of these people get access to online commerce not directly by themselves but through an intermediary who is this entrepreneur or reseller as as we call it right so what that individual is doing is enabling these people to get the benefits of online commerce even though they themselves may not be as tech savvy and to go and shop online yeah. right so yeah. that's a, a way to look at misho and when you look at it this way you will realize that the potential of this company is huge yeah. right as the penetration of whatsapp increases from 450 million to 700 million 800 million in the country right and the online e-commerce platform penetration which flipkart amazon have will also increase but still there will be a huge gap between these two <laughs> which will then mean that somebody like a misho can sort of come uh, and build a very very big play uh, there so so in in that sense it's a very unique business model with a huge uh, market opportunity kirti once again kirti once again uh, you completely dropped off in between oh i can't uh, see you sorry again i can't hear you for some reason question also once again yeah <clears throat> So uh so Kirti before we kind of jump into what's happening at Misho and what you're doing uh just give us an understanding of what exactly Misho does what it is all about and and what made you take take the plunge uh, to be part of this team Sure yeah Misho is a very unique company and it's almost uh, impossible to 
categorize or bucket it into one thing, right? When you, especially when you look at it from yeah. the outside and try to uh, sort of frame what it is doing. So in that sense, it's a very unique company built completely from bottom up insights uh, for, for India. There are different ways to look at the company. I think uh, one way to look at the company is the fact that it's a platform which enables anyone to become a micro entrepreneur, right? And so that they can uh, uh, make income and get a social identity uh, and, and sort of do a, a business, uh, right? Which, which Misho enables for them. Uh, so, so I think that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at uh, Misho is that in the lens of e-commerce in India, right? So today, if you see, uh, the largest digital product in India is WhatsApp. It has 450 million uh, users. Uh, as opposed to this online commerce through e-commerce platforms, the penetration of that is 80 to 100 million people, right? which is what right. uh, Amazon and Flipkart serve uh, very well. So there is a big delta between these two, right? So the 300, 350 million people in the middle who are using digital products but are not uh, shopping online. So what Misho does is to enable access uh, to e-commerce for all of these people through an intermediary who we call an entrepreneur or a reseller, right? So that's sort of what, uh, what Misho is doing from the e-commerce lens. So it is increasing the penetration of e-commerce in the country, right? Right. And, and, and because of this fact, the potential for this company is huge because your WhatsApp penetration will keep growing yeah. from 450 million. It'll go to 500, 600, whatever it can like go much higher, but the online commerce penetration by Amazon Flipkart that also will grow, but it will not grow at the same rate because there are many barriers for people to directly shop online. So there's a huge market in the middle, which Misho is sort of catering to. Right. So, th so that's another way to look at the company and in, in, in much more simpler terms, if I had to just explain what Misho does uh, uh, at a very specific level, it's basically an e-commerce platform which has a catalog of different items uh, that, that, uh, that uh, we sell. Most of these items are long tail, unbranded, fashion and home products, right? right? So it's mm -hmm. almost like your bazaar items, right? If I had to put it yeah. in uh, <laughs> a colloquial language. So that's what Misho is selling. And the people who come to the Misho app are these resellers or entrepreneurs, as we call them within the company. So these are people who are mostly housewives in tier two, three, four locations who want to make additional income to support their family. So what they do is they come to the app, they look at all these products, and then they share them with their uh, community of friends, family, etc., who they are connected to on WhatsApp or Facebook or Instagram. Right. So they share the product listing, and then they uh, convince them to buy that. And once the uh, end customer is convinced, these entrepreneurs come to the Misho app and place an order, right? Right. So that's in essence, the simplest way to understand the business model, right? Right. Now, the reason why this works is because all of these end customers who these uh, resellers are connected to on social media and messaging platforms, most of these people don't want to go directly to an Amazon or Flipkart to buy. So right. they want somebody else to do it for them, right? right. And this somebody else is the guy, in, uh, the, the person in the middle who is a housewife, yeah. et cetera, that I spoke about, right? So that's sort of how Misho works. And now when you understand this is how it, it is, what you will realize is because the social media penetration in the country, WhatsApp, Facebook, et cetera, is so large that everybody is connected to at least 100, 200 people on, on WhatsApp, right? Correct. 
i can keep sharing stuff with them and once i once people buy from me i also know more of what they like to buy and then i can keep sharing more and more so then that virtual sort of virtuous cycle flywheel starts growing right so that's sort of what uh, misho does all of this is again very specific to india built bottom up yeah, yeah. no company does this anywhere right correct. so so that, in that sense it was quite interesting so this is one of the reasons what excited me a lot because after having worked at both amazon flipkart i thought e-commerce was done and dusted right yeah. that there is no other company which can do anything in e-commerce in india but then misho sort of started did all of this based on uh, these uh, insights so that was one one of the most exciting things for me uh, as i understood this uh, the other uh, couple of reasons also for me to sort of move uh, to misho was one i think the founding team uh, both the co-founders and some of the other uh, folks in the leadership team as i interacted more with them i realized obviously that they were all very ambitious they were all very independent thinkers right so they wanted to build something which uh, can capture this opportunity irrespective of what other players have done what has worked in some other geography what trends are happening in the ecosystem right so so they were sort of very very focused just on the user so so that obsession with users that obsession to build something unique for india and i could sense that in 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 the team and and they were all sort of also at the same time very open honest humble Uh, in terms of their uh, their own approach towards this, so, so I like that also a lot. So these were, I think, the two big reasons for me to sort of uh, come here. How how challenging does it get uh, to be working on a product that's so uh, you know ingrained into the nuances of the country, and you're targeting a very specific demographic for whom data penetration is uh, is a relatively new term or a new thing because it's just recently happened a few years back. Uh, how challenging is it to design or build a product for uh, for that culturally nuanced context in india yeah uh, it's it's quite uh, uh, unique in the sense that there is no real playbook right to, to follow yeah. and say that okay this is how an e-commerce app user experience should be right so there, so it, it, because the playbooks will come from what amazon has done what flipkart has done or you go to china etc you'll see some of those apps so what i've realized is that none of those playbooks are very helpful the playbooks can only tell you very broad brush learnings but what you truly build has to come from from the insights from users right absolutely and and one of the unique cultural things within misho uh, which i have seen is the connect with our users is here is very very strong within everybody in the team especially product managers designers right so almost uh, every product manager would know many of our users uh, by name they would yeah. have them on their whatsapp right so they would chat with them regularly mm-hmm. they would understand their pain points etc in a very very direct fashion right yeah. so there is no like doing some market research and survey etc while we do that for different purposes but here it's a much more direct connect which is what enables all of these people to understand okay what exactly do i have to build if if i have to launch a feature which has a certain user experience to give you one example which is very unique that uh, we've done at misho in the last 6 months is we built this whole feature called misho journeys right and and here the idea and this is not something that's there in any e-commerce app uh, in india or even outside the 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 idea here was that we have all these resellers on our, our platform and resellers are doing reselling for the first time on misho it's not that they were doing it offline and they're doing it sure. online now they've right. never done anything in their Correct. life like this right so they're doing it for the first time 
and because this is about not buying things for yourself it is about influencing somebody else to buy right which means it's like a sales skill i think this this concept in india has fundamentally existed for so many years uh it was it was high time that a that a technology player came in and added a layer of structuredness in some way to the concept of say what what an amway or tupperware were Ambe. doing correct correct since so many years yeah absolutely i think reselling as a concept has existed for for a while uh what uh, misho has done is obviously put in a technology layer sure right? the other unique thing is also that <clears throat> the people who are doing this reselling right is very different on misho so like i said our mo- major user base persona is housewife from a tier 2 3 4 location so now this housewife was never into reselling on amway etc in a big way right correct so correct. so in that sense we are teaching all of these people how to resell on a app without any physical support or any correct. call center and correct right? so that's why it's sort of it's quite unique and and one of the interesting features i was talking about that we built was how do you motivate these people to continue reselling for a long period of time right and and there i think the team did lots of sort of research and talking to users and we came up with this concept of a journey gamification right which means right. that you're a if you if you uh, came to the platform for the first time you're a newbie or a beginner and then you do some orders and then you move to the next level and then the final level is a legend level right which means you are like the renowned expert reseller on the misho platform yeah. so so all of that entire journey is gamified and then the other unique thing about misho is because we have all these resellers on our platform one reseller wants to learn from the other right so if you are a newbie and i am a legend like you are reaching out to me for tips and tricks right and we enable this reach out and this communication also on the app right oh, so that i i see such similarities between what what the amway business model used to be but very traditional right they never added technology and i mm-hmm. i i reckon having uh, gone through some of their uh, you know uh, motivational leadership structures gamification in the traditional sense where they had silver players gold players diamond players in some way or sellers or whatever that term was and 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 i think this this is working in in very similar ways yeah it's absolutely and 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 because now you have the added advantage of technology uh, and a platform where all of these users are the freedom to do a lot of these things is also much higher much faster sure. right so you can enable this group learning this social recognition that one person uh, sort of enjoys in front of a group of millions of such people right which would never be possible in the offline world right so all of that technology is enabling yeah and and which then uh, sort of uh, empowers all of our product managers to unearth these kinds of insights and say how do we then build features around it right sure. so that's why a lot of these things are quite exciting uh, and some of these things we've built in the last 6 months uh, even amidst the lockdown and everything else yeah. that was going on so i i uh, i'm assuming that that a large part of what you also do is trying to bridge the gap between say design and engineering teams within within the company uh how challenging is that because that's one thing that uh, the product heads have usually come back saying uh you know if 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 the background of the individual project manager or the product manager is is largely from one of these sides then the gravitation towards uh, either engineering or design is heavier but how do you balance that out and how challenging does it get sure uh in in our case uh 
most of the product managers we have uh, in the in the team are people who've done product management before and have sort of moved to Misho or have uh, been a product analyst in the company and grown to become right. a product manager, right? So, so right. It's, it's mostly those two types of people who are product managers here. And so in that sense, they are not directly from an engineering background or neither are they from a design background. So in that sense, they have sort of that more neutral objective perspective that they bring and that's to, to, the, to the table. Yeah, in, in many ways, I think this is something that uh, we have uh, thought through and, and figured out that this is probably the best way for us to uh, groom product talent in the company. Uh, because especially in a growth stage startup type setting, you always want to build the right products, but you also want to do that at very high velocity, right? So Absolutely. you want to iterate because that is what the speed of iteration determines your learning, right? Yeah. So so we have to balance both of these and, and therefore getting people who are doing this completely for the first time in their life also is very challenging, right? Because then the quality and velocity both can't go hand in hand. And that's why we look right. at people who've done some of it before or people who've sort of grown through the ranks within the company, right? So, so that's sort of by conscious design that we have that kind of a profile for product managers. But coming back to your original question, I think the bridge between design and engineering, that sort of uh, challenge does exist, right? Because oftentimes what happens is you're designing products for the best user experience, right? But the notion of feasibility, right? Which is, can we build this, right? And can we build this in a reasonable period of time? And also, can we build it according to the way the designer has designed it? There's always a delta between yeah. these two things, right? And, and, and what we try to do is to uh, get engineering inputs slightly earlier in the cycle so that when we when a designer, for example, has created a wireframe, right? Of, of a particular experience. So can we get engineering managers to give an input on that saying, look, what you're thinking of is looks great, but this is going to take a long time to build. Sure. So why don't you explore other alternative, right? right. So I think we've, we've done some of those types of things so that early in the product development lifecycle, we get inputs on different things. I think one is feasibility, which is whether we can build this or not in a reasonable period of time. This comes from engineering. The other part is usability, which comes from users, right? where uh, designers, product managers go and show prototypes to users and try to understand if they, are, uh, they, they can make sense of the user experience, are they able to accomplish the goal that they have with the product so that usability inputs also come in. And the other aspect which happens much earlier in the cycle is viability, which means Correct. solving this problem, is it even worth it, right? Yeah. Which is more, more sort of upstream. So I think all of these things, we've, I wouldn't say we are perfect at this, but I think we're getting better. Right, yeah. and we have a recognition that these are all the things that are potential uh, failure points in product development that we need to uh, address upfront. I think that's uh, it's a very interesting mix of uh, everything that one could have thought of to structure uh, an organized sector, rather organized an unorganized sector with technology. This this serves as one of those uh, perfect examples, right? Uh, you know, the experience you've had is uh, is pretty much across the spectrum. Is there one thing that uh, that even today keeps you going every single day uh, that you really look forward to? It could be at Misho, it could be a very personal uh, hallmark of how you live your life. But is there one thing that gets you out of bed every single morning? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I'm just <laughs> reflecting on the spot. So 
what i have realized after working in different sort of environments uh, be it in consulting earlier or product management now is the thing that excites me the most uh, which gives me the most energy is the act or process of creation right just process of building something right and this is irrespective of what the end outcome is sometimes the products you build will succeed sometimes yeah. they will fail uh sometimes uh, you get fame recognition career growth because of those happening sometimes it doesn't go according to plan so all of them to me are by product side effects right but right. the main effect is is that act or process of creation right which is what excites me the most right so every day i wake up because i know that the team is building some great things and 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 i'm going to get involved in that and help them move in the right direction uh review stuff sometimes i come up with my own ideas so i think a lot of that is what uh, excites me uh, and gives me energy and that's what i look forward to because everything else is to me ephemeral it will be there one right. day it won't be there the next day right if right. you just worry about that then you, you you will never be in the zone of of doing what you love the most so, so that's how i think about it and where is where is this journey headed from here on are you uh, are you looking to continue exploring interesting companies interesting products be part of these teams or is there something very different uh, that you see having planned for yourself frankly i think i asked this uh, question to all the people i interview but i don't have an answer wow. <laughs> no it wasn't meant to be interview centric <laughs> but but just from a from a leadership standpoint you you've done so much right and and sometimes you end up hitting those points of uh, i've done a lot of these things uh, maybe maybe i want to take a break travel for a year and come back to work or or it's something very utopian saying i'm going to get into something by myself 5 years from now and that's the idea so uh, it's it's that spectrum yeah i not really planned or thought about uh, sort of uh, from a long term standpoint what i do uh, know is that uh, i want to be in india i want to uh, build for india and i think there's a huge market opportunity there is a that's a big thing to say actually kirti i feel yeah absolutely and to me i think how people think of a career in india now versus how they used to think of it maybe 20 years ago is very different right correct so so the maturity of the talent that we have the kind of market opportunity that is there the fact that there is a recognition that great things can be done in india great products can be built in india great brands can be built in india so so one the, the only thing that is very certain for me is that i'll be in india build something for india now whether in which industry which market which context i think all of that will change what my role would be could also change so no definitive plans on any of those but as i reflect back on my own career one thing that i really enjoyed uh, like i was saying is the process of creation and also exploring diverse things as i do that right so uh, like and and they started with consulting where i was sort of working with lots of different different types of clients even uh, in in uh, e-commerce uh, the, the range of problems and the types of companies have been different so what, what i'm certain about is it's going to be something in india it is going to be around building something new and it will be uh, about challenging myself with a new problem right outside of that i think what shape the career takes i think is tough to predict and sure. i have no definite plan uh i think that's a that's a big thing to say because uh, because that showcases the the progression of thought and uh, market and even the talent uh, 
of where India was 10 years back to where it is now in 2021. Uh, I think uh, I think that in some way, this, this conversation in some way has been a very fundamental, groundbreaking discussion on what products in India are looking like. And if you were to design one that's inspired and grown, homegrown, most essentially, uh, where does that journey go from here? So not always does the inspiration have to come of being able to do something better for the Indian context from, from the West. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's been great. Uh, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, lovely to have you here. And I'm sure there's so much more that people can learn out of this conversation. Great. Thanks a lot, Saksham, for, for this opportunity. And I think uh, great to have this chat. Yeah. Great. Thank <music> you.